Before 7, I'll just be in the neighborhood from Bourbon. Okay, so tonight, the theme of our class tonight is about trusting in God. And it's connected to this week's Torah portion. This week, we have one of the ten songs that the Jewish people sang to God. In general, the Torah says that there are nine songs that were sung till now, and the tenth song we will sing when Mashiach will come. The uh, first song is um, the song of Az Yashir, Jewish people sang when they crossed the Red Sea. And the second song is the song of Arno. We're going to learn what happened exactly in Arnon. And the third song was on Gimel Tammuz, the third of Tammuz, when Yeshua caused the sun and the moon to be still to finish the war. Then there's a song of Devorah, that Devorah sang to God after conquering the Sisra and the Antisemites at that time. Then there's a song of Hannah, that she sang to God when she was given blessed with a child, the song of King David, the song of Solomon, and finally, when Mashiach will come, we will again sing a song to God. The nominally of all these songs is a song on this week's Torah portion. This song is called the song that was sung by Arnon. And the question is, why did, they, did the events of Arnon warrant such a special event that happens only ten times in history, that they sang a song to God? So let's, let's just first understand the exact story that happened in Arnon, and then we'll try to figure out what was so significant about this story. Stories like this. Jewish people have been wandering the desert for 40 years, and they're approaching the land of Israel, and the Morites saw the Jewish people were approaching, and there was two mountains next to each other. Rashi says they're so close to each other that it was possible for a person standing on top of one mountain to talk to a person on the other mountain. That, and between these two mountains... There was a there's a gorge. What's a gorge? A deep, right, very deep between them, right. So so these Amorites said, Hey, the Jews are coming. They hid in the in the, these caves on top of the mountain, the Moabite side. And they and they, they said when the Jews come, we'll throw rocks at them, we'll throw arrows at them, we'll throw boulders at them. And uh, they're going. They're going. They're, they'll be in this gorge, and we'll be able to easily destroy them. So what happened was was that that these two mountains were so close to each other, God caused the one mountain had these caves, the other mountain had these protrusions. So God made the shidduch between the mountain that had the protrusions, the mountain that had the caves, and the and the mountains came together, and and the, all the Amorites who were ready to attack us were were finished off. So the Jewish people sang a song to God, but then, truth is, there's a part that, that I skipped. They didn't know the miracle happened. They couldn't have known the miracle happened because it happened all the way up there on top of the mountain. So God said, who will tell my children about this miracle? So God caused a river to bring the blood of those who were killed then to the Jewish people so that they would realize the incredible miracle that happened. In general, there's a rule, the Torah says, whenever you give someone a present, you should let them know. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do present. I mean, there's a concept, tzedakah. Tzedakah, given, given secret, is a great virtue. 
But you give someone a present, you should let them know. Why should you let them know you give someone a present? The difference between a present and charity is charity makes a person be embarrassed to receive the, the, the charity. But a present is endearing. You give someone a present. The Talmud says if you give a baby a bread, let his mother know. Why? Because this causes friendship with Jewish people. Some people see others. Some, some, it causes kindness, causes friendship. So therefore, the Torah says, whenever you give someone a present, um, let them know. Um, someone wrote to the Rebbe once, how I thought of you during the blessings of the Kohanim. They said, that was very good that you told this to me because you give someone a present, you're supposed to, you're supposed to let them know. It brings friendship. It's not arrogance, it's not, it's, not, it's not showing yourself. On the contrary, it brings, it's good to let someone know that you went out of your way for them. So here, God said, who will let my children know about this great miracle? So in order to let them know, God caused the, this water to bring the blood of these Amorites to the eyes of the Jewish people. But the question is, why is this considered such a significant miracle that they sang a song? Let's consider all the miracles that they saw throughout the 40 years in the desert. They saw the bread coming from the sky. They saw these clouds protecting them. They saw all these miracles all the time. Why is this the miracle that's chosen to sing for? Why is this the unique miracle they're singing a song about, about this miracle specifically? It seems like in Egypt they left. They got away from the Egyptians here. They're getting away from... There's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't the only nation that attacked them. Let's consider the Amalekites. The Amalekites that's attacked true. them and God protected them from, them from Amalek and they didn't sing a song. How come over here they sang the song? So... The Orachaim uh, Kadosh, who, by the way, his yard says it's coming uh, Thursday. Orachaim Kadosh he explains that the song wasn't about this miracle, it's something else. The Torah says they sang the song about the well. What's the well? Well, you, what's the well? The well of Torah. The well of Torah. They sang the song, the song to God to thank God for the Torah. Couldn't have been about this miracle. It must have been about something else because. Now, once you say it's about the Torah, sing a song to God to thank God for the Torah, no questions anymore. You're thanking God for the Torah. That makes sense. That's what Arachim explains. The Medrash says that they sang to God about the well of the water of Miriam. Thanking God for the water. Why did they thank God for the water and they didn't thank God for the manna bread? So the Medrash says they couldn't thank God for the manna bread. Why? Because... God said, I don't, want to, I don't want you to praise me. I don't want to hear any songs about the manna bread. Why? Since we complained about the manna bread, we said this bread is terrible. We've been eating it every day. So God says, I don't, I do not want I don't want your praise. I don't want your complaints. I don't want to hear any praise about the manna bread because you guys have complained about it. So don't tell me it's good. And yesterday told me it's bad. But about the water, the manager says, that does make sense. Jewish people should praise God about the water because... They always considered that gift to be very dear and very precious, and therefore they sang to God about the water. That's what the Medrash says. So that explains why, according to the Medrash and Rechaim, they sang to God. But according to Rashi, Rashi says they sang to God because of this miracle specifically. So the question is, what's unique about this? Why is this more significant than all other miracles? And especially, the, the song goes like this. Let's thank God for what He gave to us at the Yamsuf, at the, at the Reed Sea, and what He gave to us in Arnon. I mean, the Torah is equating 
this reed sea with Arnon. There's something unique about these two miracles and why only these two miracles were the ones that they sang a song for. Why did they get up and sing a song by, by, uh, by these things, these specific events? What's, un- what's a common denominator between the reed sea and the miracle of Arnon? So, let's go back to the reed sea for a second. Why is the splitting of the Reed Sea considered as a, a miracle that warrants a song? What was unique about that miracle? The simple reason is because it was just incredible. Such an incredible miracle. And it is an incredible miracle. Um, many people feel this is the greatest miracle in history. I know in the uh, Turo Synagogue in, uh, in uh, New England, oldest synagogue in America, they have this re- re- very rare and old Torah scroll, and they always keep the Torah scroll opened the story of the Reed Sea is a tremendous miracle that, that, that uh, really was the opposite of nature completely. But there were others miracles. There, there, was, there wasn't only one. So what was unique about the Reed Sea, different than the war against Amalek, was that by the war against Amalek there was a war, there was a fight. They had to do something. It wasn't just Hashem took care of everything. It was you had to do something. But by the story of the, Jew, the Jews escaping from Egypt, the Egyptians running after them, here it was to sit back, relax, and enjoy the godly show. So since this was something that was completely in the hands of God, we didn't have to do anything for it, that's why this evoked this spontaneous prophetic song, Az Yashem. And that's similar to also to Arnon. In fact, Arnon is even greater. Why? By the story of the Reed Sea, they at least knew there was a problem. They didn't. The story of Amalek had to fight the war, and God helped them. Fine. What was unique about the Reed Sea was they didn't have to fight a war. God took care of them, and they were silent. But still, they were aware of the problem. They were praying, and they were worried. By the story of Arnon, they didn't have any idea there was any issue to begin with. They didn't. Have, they were traveling merry-go-lucky way, and then they discovered that we were just in danger, and God saved us. So this was an even greater miracle in a way, or greater kindness of Hashem to the Jewish people, that He didn't even let us have the anxiety in the first place of being in duress, and then Hashem, out of duress I call out, out of pain I call out to you Hashem, and out of the bounding relief you answered me. We didn't know about the whole thing. So we only had the blessing of feeling God's protection without going through that, that moment of duress. That's why it warranted a, a song. Because, why, think about it, why did Hashem want us to know about this? Why did Hashem want us to know about what happened? We have to know. Why do we have to know? Because, we, because it creates a bond, uh, uh, an alliance. And it makes us realize that we're always obligated to Hashem. Obligated is, is a harsh word. Okay, the, so, so, someone's told the Rebbe in, in, in the private audience, and it's Peter Combs, his name was. He told the Rebbe, my, my, my daughter is committed to Lubavitch. The Rebbe said something to the effect of, I like the word inspired better than the word committed. So, obligated, okay, obligated to God. God took us out of Egypt, we're obligated to Him. What was unique about Arnon is that we saw that God has our back and He's protecting us in ways that we have no idea, in ways that we have no idea there's any issue in the first place. We, we see that. That Hashem is, is taking care of us, not just about things that we're aware of, but things we have no idea that there's any issue in the first place. There's someone out up, up at bat for us. And this highlights the idea of trusting in Hashem. 
There are some difficulties that we all know about, that, we, that we're aware of, that we're contending with. There's some people that are going through court cases, they know it, they have to deal with this court case. Then there is that people have issues with, with whatever, and there are difficult issues. But there's all these unknown kind of issues, unknown issues, that we have no idea. And that's the miracle of unknown, why Hashem wants us to be aware of, wants us to know that there are things that are going on in your life that you have no idea there's something going on, but I'm taking care of you. And this is something the Rebbe highlights to many people in many, many letters. You saw how God took care of you in the past. You saw how Hashem took care of you. You saw the miracles you went through. So why are you so worried? But human nature is like that. You see, you're worried. Something happens. Then you worry again. Then you worry again. And then you see it again. Then you worry again. That's, but it's a, it's, it's a challenge to have trust in Hashem. But it's... Uh, really makes sense because we all all of us we, we all see Hashem's protection we all see in the last day in the last week everyone could, could look at their, their life and see how Hashem was there for them so the Torah tells us remember Arno remember this event that, that you had no idea there was any issue in the first place and God was there for you and this is a sign for you in your life it's not just to happen to Jewish people as a whole this is your story the Torah tells us to remember leaving <coughs> Egypt every day in every generation every day because just like when we left Egypt, we didn't have any clothing, we didn't have any food, we didn't have any protection. And yet God took care of everything for us. We were totally secure and good hands when we left Egypt. So similarly, Hashem wants us to feel the same thing in regards to whatever's going on in our life, to feel that, that uh, there's nothing going on, that, that you're okay, that there's nothing... Uh, no one understands divine providence, only in retrospect. Avner Shaki... He was um, he was the head of the Maftal party in Israel, and he was visiting a uh, Chabad center, and somewhere in California, I don't remember which which city it was, and there was a beautiful Friday night meal, and we sing sing the song, it's mirot, and it's a great atmosphere, and it's wonderful, and in the middle of this whole wonderful atmosphere, a bunch of a bunch of college kids come in. They don't even, like say hello. They don't say good shabbos. They come in and they grab plates, they grab food, and they sit down. They start chopping away and, and and talking between themselves. Not even like saying hello to anybody there. So Abner Shakir Shalom. He was a very polite person, very you know, and he was quite handling. Like Rabbi, you got to do something about this. About what? You see those kids? They walk in and you can't you can't let them come in like that. Abner, see those kids? Yes, I see them. Do you? I look just like one of them a few years ago. In fact, just I, I, my tattoos are a little larger, and uh, this was me. This was me. And, and, and some Chabad rabbi let me come in for Friday night dinner every week, and I came for dinner, and now I'm, and that, this is what I do now. The point is, is that we have no idea of our destiny, where we came from, where we're going. One thing we know, we have to know, though, is we're in good hands. The Chavos um, Lavavos and Duties of the Heart, which I've encouraged many, many people to study, he, he writes about seven qualities that you need to have in order to be trustworthy. If you have complete trust in someone, the person you're trusting has to have seven qualities. Then you could feel completely secure that you're you're in good hands. And no one has all seven. No one even has any of them fully. But Hashem has all seven. What are the seven qualities that make you trustworthy? Make anyone that make that's, that, that that you could feel okay? I'm in good hands. Number one, the person you're trusting or the one that you're trusting, Hashem, 
has to love you, the person to care about you. As Baal Shem Tev taught that God loves each of us like a parents love an only child born to them in the old age. The person, if you, someone loves you, you feel, okay, this person is out for you. But the person might love you and might forget about you. So the second quality is a person has to never forget about you. Never, like we, we say in Psalms, God does not sleep or slumber. The third quality is he may love you and not forget about you, but who says he can help you? Someone might be out for you, but they can't. So the third quality is that the one you're trusting in is strong. Fourth quality is, not only is he strong, he knows you. Someone may love you, and I forget about you, and be able to help you, but they don't really know what you need. They're making a shidduch between you and someone who looks like your zayda. So it's not exactly a good, they don't, they don't know you. They love you, and they care about you, and they forget about you, and they can help you, and they have the strength to, but they don't get you. The fifth quality is track record. Someone may be, know you very well and have the strength to help you, but can you demonstrate that they're there for you? So, so, so that in order to feel full trust in someone, you have to, it's much easier if, they, if you see it, it's your track record. If someone has been there for you, some days you're in nursing, days you're in elementary school, days in college, and days of, 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 of as you're starting your life, so then, and, and you, you see Hashem is always there for you, it makes it much easier for you to trust in that, in that one that you're trusting in. And the sixth quality is, the one you're trusting in uh, is not just strong, but the Ochos Alvavis gives an analogy of someone who is in a pit. And the only one who could take him out of that pit, the only one who could hurt him or help him, is, is the one who has the key to this dungeon that he's in. See, if the, the truth is that there's no other power in the world. All, not just Hashem can help you, He's strong enough. There's no other force, period. And the seventh quality, to feel absolute trust, is most important. Trach good, vetzayn good, think good, and be good. That Hashem isn't just kind to those who are deserving. Hashem is kind to even though you don't deserve it. So this is, this is what the Torah wants to give us by telling us the story of Arno. Tell us to have absolute trust in Hashem, to feel good. And by feeling good, and feeling, you're, you're not different than your Zayd who left Mitzrayim. Teach him to care of him. So every day the Torah tells us to remember leaving Mitzrayim, remember the story of Arnon, and and uh, it's okay to sing a song. Maybe people think you're a little bit a little bit weird walking around singing a song. It's okay, sing a song, walk around with simcha. That's 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 the basic message I wanted to share. Any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers? Yes. Yeah.